And we are live. It's Paul McCardle from the Off Your Head podcast. Season two. Okay, I took a break. I'm going to give you a wee uh, lowdown on what I got up to from our last episode in season one. I took a break. Things started to open up. Normal life was coming fast and furious at us. The entertainment business, especially what um, I'm in, yeah, the weddings were mental. Um, it was great to see people get the day they really wanted. And I was busy. Yeah. And you will know a lot of you who do listen um, from his social media. Uh, there was weddings every night of the week. Quinn started to open up and we can't wait to the 31st of October to get dancing again. So yeah, it's been a, it's been a whirlwind summer. And uh, I always knew I was coming back to season two. And I thought, here, what am I going to do with season two? Um, I'm going to start it again in the winter. Dark months, cold months, not everyone's favorite. And we thought, yes, time to release the podcast season two to give some people out there some indication of what really goes on in people's lives and uh, what they're doing and how they cope to in lockdown. And, you know, all the stories that we had in season one, well, we're going to be a bit of a different route in season two. Yes, we'll have the same objective, um, but we've got some amazing guests coming on. I spent the last couple of months not hounding people because it was just one question and it was one answer. Of course, I'll come on. Um, and you might have remembered at the end of season one, I put uh, a photo up of a guy who was coming on the podcast and I wanted to get first hold of this man. I've known him for a long, long time. And we spoke and we thought it was the best time to release his podcast. And I thought it was he deserved to be the first guest on season two. A local guy who has been doing absolutely amazing in the local area. And I have no doubt further afield. Um, I remember him years ago working and now... He is just, what I would say, majestic. His uh, songwriting, his voice, I just love his voice. I could listen to his voice all day. And uh, just uh, as I'm going to say it, uh, this conversation will be like for nighttime to put you to sleep because there's two really deep voices coming on this uh, episode. You know who he is? Stephen Rafferty. How are you doing? Very well, Paul. How are you doing? Look, listen to the voice. <laughs> Isn't it amazing? His singing voice is just class too. Are you keeping well? I'm very well, mate. How are you? Uh, thank you for coming on. Um, I really, I'm delighted to have you on. Um, uh, what I've been watching you. Don't worry, I have been watching you. We all watch you, even though we couldn't get to your uh, launch of your EP. And uh, uh, especially the second night. We will tap in on that. Uh, but I just thought, I think I left a wee message on your, on your Instagram. It gave me the chills just to see what you were doing on stage that night <laughs> and the photographs and you were just polluted on uh, the local areas for social media. It was great to see and uh, you're bound to be pleased with yourself. Oh, it's just uh, just what you say there. The second night in the anchor was just unbelievable. Absolutely unbelievable. The, the buzz was just crazy. All three nights were literally top notch. Like I couldn't have asked for any more from... Everybody that was involved, like my whole team, including the band and um, especially the people who came paid to come and see me, it just, 
it like it, it made it made like Sean a massive light on my music career and what I'm doing and making it all worth it. Yeah. Do you pinch yourself sometimes and say, you know, because I have recently, and say, wow. And when you get nice comments, we all get the, we all talked about the earlier there, but the negative, you get the negative feedback, but we're not here for that. But when you get nice things said to you. Yeah, I mean, it's just, there's always been the same, you know, the same group of people that comment, you know, saying, um, oh, like amazing video or, you know, can't wait to hear you live again or whatever it is, but to, to which I obviously appreciate yeah. On, a, on a daily and weekly basis that, you know, they're the people that keep it going for me. Because without them people, Stephen, you know, they, they actually bring you from down here to up here. Yeah, exactly. Like, exactly. Like they're, they're the people who kind of, they're the backbone. They're the, they're the people who are there all the time kind of sitting watching. But to hear such a wide variety and to see such a wide variety of people, um, you know, not only liking and sharing my, you know, the, the posts and the videos that I've done about the EP launches, but I've seen them commenting on, the first night's videos and the second night's videos. And then whenever I turned up to the anchor, you know, they were there, they were coming in with their tickets, you know, so it just goes to show you how it can all be portrayed in a positive way um, through social media. Absolutely. And, uh, you know, when I seen the band, <laughs> I was going, wow. Because not, not that I never asked you much about it because I didn't, we didn't get out speaking because yeah. both of us have been on the road flat out. Know. But when I seen that band, I was going, mm-hmm. Here we go. Yeah, that like ah. Uh. Give an extra. Like I've heard you sing solo so many times, but to bring that band effect on stage in a, a class B venue in the anchor, you know, it must have. It gave, did have shivers that night. Were you nervous? Do you know what it was? Like the first night, I was nervous, and then we done the second night. It was in the skylight room in Warren Point. Another then, great venue too. Oh, unbelievable! Um, but then we done the third night in the you know back in the anchor and. The first night I was I was a complete bag of nerves, um, but the second and third night it just felt like I was turning up to just do my thing, and that like that's because of the band. That's because I knew that any mistakes that I was gonna make, they were there to cover it up, and vice versa. And like these are people that you know they've just been session players for many years, and um, my producer Stephen Fernley, he just said to me whenever we were recording the songs, you know, oh, I know. Um, such and such, he's a great guitarist, or I know such and such, he's a great drummer. And that it kind of just slowly like grew into these people just becoming part of my music career and part of, you know, part of my, part of my life, part of my album. And it's like a one big team. Yeah. You know, and all of a sudden, you know, it just clicked. And like we had never, there's actually, there was three people there in the band that they had never, um, what do you call it? They had never played with me live before. So they had been recording at home just, you know, due to COVID and stuff and sending it into the studio. And then the week leading up to the first um, gig, the first live launch, we just all met in the studio and for the first time ever played together as a band. And you would swear that it was, you know, we had been there for five or six years just doing that every week. Yeah. So you say your guy, what do you call your guy you say in the background, your manager? Stephen Fernley, Stephen. producer, yeah. So, so Stephen obviously has a good idea of music and he, he knew what he was after and he, he's made something... Uh, Very special here. Yeah, I mean, like everybody like that has been following me over the past few years knows what I sound like. 
Oh, I love your voice. <laughs> the husky voice. I it's, I didn't realise how deep it was until you started talking there and then I came in I was like, oh. Here we go. <laughs> Another step down. Yes. Um, I'm going to put this on YouTube, this uh, this episode for people who need to sleep at yeah. night. <laughs> I don't know about that. I might scare them away. I'll keep them up for weeks. Um, no, but Steve just, oh, I don't know. Like whenever, whenever I've been making my own music, it doesn't all sound the same. It doesn't all have the same structure, but you know, a lot of it's played, like it's written with the same guitar and obviously it's my voice. So a lot of it can tend to sound the, st- the same. And Steve kind of knew this whenever we went into the studio for the first few sessions and, you know, all of a sudden between his own production work and um, other session players that he knew, he just was able to build, build me into something I never knew that I could be. And it's just like, it's been for like, whenever I was seeing you the other day and you were saying to me like, oh, like this is just incredible what you've done with this album. And I'm going like, you don't need to tell me like, I, like I'm saying like, it's not me that's done this. It's, I feel incredible that somebody has been able to transform my life and give me this massive boost that, you know, actually something is going to come with this music. And it's not just, you know, me sitting playing the guitar. Yeah. He's got the best out of you. Oh, big time. You know, uh, like I still have shivers here because that <laughs> video that was put up on Saturday night, just mm-hmm. the roar yeah. of people. You know, I know second hand when I'm gigging, and when people come and they're going absolutely mental. I'm yeah. sure you've seen some videos. Oh, yeah. like, I've of, been there. <laughs> yeah, people going mental. That gives you like we're totally not not that we're entertainers, yeah. but you with your your own music, which I totally respect, and I think it's amazing to play all the instruments that you can play, <clears throat> but. We all come under that bracket of entertainers yeah. and we all have our all we niche and it's important that we, we use it and we bring happiness to people. Big time. Because we are going to, well, we're coming out the end of something that was just crazy in this world. Just unknown. And when you do look back on it, the only thing that kept people going was online streaming Yeah, and putting it out there. Well, we all know that I've got a wee bit of a, Dog and not at the tip jar uh-huh. from, from the Lord Mayor's that deputy Lord Mayor. He was winding me up about my new van, but we were bringing happiness to people's homes. Yeah, and that just goes to show you how important music is to people, and awesome. that's why I, I don't want to say too much um, because I might get my my wrists wrists uh, wrist slapped. Mm-hmm. Um, you know about stopping music and stopping live music. There was no answer. There was no evidence, and which really annoyed a lot of people, especially in the industry. You know, uh, why can you dance at a wedding, but you can't dance in a nightclub? Yeah, no, it makes uh, it, it made no sense. But we're not yeah. going down that route because no, no, we're not no. talking about it. So, Stephen, um, what what I want to talk about now is we're going to take it way back. You know, the same it's same idea. In the podcast. We're going to go back. We're going to let you introduce yourself, and there's people been dying to hear mm. your, your story since I I put a wee feeler out last night we were back and uh i got loads of messages which was <laughs> insanely uh happy brought happiness to me i was going people are actually because <laughs> i was going to weddings and i was getting people coming up and saying i would never spoke to you before in my life i love the podcast keep doing it when season two coming and i said you know what this this is nice this yeah. to hear these and young fellas especially i had one young fella especially approached me in quinn's one night uh one tuesday night um, he was from Armagh, and he says, "You've get give me great direction from that podcast, um, uh, from other people's mistakes, and uh, you know, it's give me confidence." That young fella that made me 
walk out of that door last night that night i could have walked out there bouncing Mm. and i could have done that gig for absolutely nothing because of what his words were yeah and that brought uh so much happiness to me and to know that young people out there are listening you know because who wants to listen to my voice and your voice you know (laughs) know what i mean yeah You, you don't think that because you're always Holding your insecurities inside, you're you're afraid to say too much. Yeah, no or, time. Uh, so that's just the way life is. So we're gonna go way back. Go ahead, far away. Way back. Well, my name was Stephen Rafferty back then, and it's still Stephen Rafferty now. So, yeah, I don't know. I mean, I'm from Newcastle County Down. That's where it all. That's where it all kicked off. Um, just kind of started playing around locally, and um, had the guitar. Was very very average at it back then. I'm still pretty average at it now but i've just learned how to make it sound good on the on the old mixing desk um but yeah i kind of kind of started wanting to be you know wanting to be the next big thing and all the rest of it but now i suppose i'm just in a place where i'm happy that that i'm able to make music that people want to listen to the word you would use is content yeah 100 percent. yeah i mean obviously the, the the big thing that i always say to people is a lot of people ask me what the dream is and i say the dream is being able to take the next step like that, that should always be my dream. You know, um, you've got, obviously, I mean, geez, if you were to offer me to play in Croke Park, I would, <laughs> I would snap your arm off at that. But of course, you know, my, my dream is always to be where I am now and always be able to take the next step in the right direction for my music, because it's been, it's been a journey so far where it's had, it's, you know, it's had a lot of ups, but it's had a lot of downs too, because you have a, you know, it's, as you know yourself, you're in an industry where you're always in the limelight for good reasons, but you're always a target as well for people who don't want to, you know, to kind of see you do well. So that's, you know, that's a really hard place to be in and to be the place, you know, that I'm in now and after releasing this EP and doing live launch nights and seeing how many people wanted to come and um, see me live, you know, the best advice that I would give to a young musician is to just try your best to be yourself and ignore what other people have to say. Even sometimes it's good to ignore the positive comments as well because... Because they can go to your head too. Yeah, exactly. So not not ignore them, acknowledge them and let them kind of rest inside you. Do you know that kind of way? Because it's even you know, that goes for both positive and negative comments because if you get a negative comment, you acknowledge it and you say, that person doesn't know what they're talking about, so I'm going to tuck that away now. Do you know that yeah. kind of thing? Because we all know it can eat, eat you up inside. Big time. And that's the problem. Social media is great, right? Okay, so we'll, 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 we'll not talk about the goodness, but sometimes the badness, um, like you, you were telling me there before, um, someone put a video up and there was a bit of, you know, people getting digs at you because they're lying at home, bored, yeah. and they're not happy with themselves. So that, that let's take this guy down, you yeah, know. Exactly. Let's take this guy down because... Deep down, they know you are a good singer and they wish they could do it because I wish I could do it too. <laughs> I wish I could play the guitar and, and sing. But um, that that's the issue that people have in their heads and they just don't want to see people doing well. Yeah, you no. know, and what you're doing in the local area alone, and we're going to tap in on the, the songs um, that you wrote, but it's been, it's really, really good. And you're bound to have some inner you know, happiness, you know, you are a bit of an inspiration, but not a bit, uh, you are an inspiration to any young musician out there that lives in the radius of 30 miles from here. Thank you very much. Well, you are, because what you're doing, you're growing from the guy that I remember to what you are now. 
it's just been, I remember you even bought a set of decks. I thought you were going to go down the DJ route one stage. Still have them. You still have <laughs> yeah. them. But, you know, you've grown and you've grown. You've stuck to what you're, what you're not to say that you weren't going to be good at that, but you're stuck to what you, you knew best. Yeah, and following the dream. Following that dream. And anyone can have a dream. I have dreams. Yeah. You know, and it's only in the last three years for my good clean that I says, right, I've got dreams here. I've got goals. And I want to keep ticking them off slowly but surely. So where did the love for music come from? Um, well, I mean, I can't I, like specifically remember where the love for music came from because as far as I can remember, like I, with a clear memory, like it's just been a massive part of my life. Um, I remember being in primary school. We were doing Robin Hood. Um, <laughs> the were you Friar Tuck? No, 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 no. I got, I got a wee bit better than did, Friar Did you have a beard back then? Uh, I think it was just starting to grow. Because you, you had it at a very I young was, age. <laughs> <laughs> I was nine or ten. I was nine or ten whenever the beard started to come. So, no, nah, I'm only joking. That was 14 or 15, I think. But, no, we done um, we done Robin Hood. No, I was the sheriff of Nottingham. So it was a, it was a wee step up from Friar Tuck. Um, but we were, you know... Back then, it was just, obviously, it was just all, like, we were just all running about mental, like, we were only that age, um, and then coming into high school then, at St. Louis, then we done, um, they were doing Joseph, and obviously, me being me, I was like, oh, I, you know, I've, I need to get in on this, but, like, like do I do it, you know? So, um, Miss Darvin McDonough, Miss McDonough, she was my music teacher at the time, and she was like, oh, you know, you've got a, got a voice on you there, you should audition for the show, so I done it, and I got brother Benjamin and Joseph, so... That was, um, yeah. Was that the start of things then? Well, yeah, I mean, it wasn't, it wasn't. I mean, that was the start of things. Like, I suppose I learned to um, network with a lot of people that were older than me in school, um, you know, because they were obviously, you know, better roles in the show, better characters in the show. And, you know, I suppose I was looking at them saying, right, okay, in, you know, in two to three years, I suppose I want to be that, you know, I want to be up there. And then lo and behold, then in fifth year, we were doing Greece in school and I was Danny Zuko. So I don't know, I don't know if I'll ever, it was great at the time, but there's still a few people now whenever I go to play around Warren Point, Restrava, Kilkeel, Newry. They remember that. They go, oh, it's Danny Zuko. And I'm like, oh, no, like, you know, I don't want to, like, have you heard my EP yet? <laughs> Tell me this. Um, how was the confidence back then? Um, Do you know what? I actually think. Part we, of, did you have a bit of a swagger about you? Yeah. I mean, I think I was more confident in the fact of because I was young and I didn't really know what was going on in the music industry that I just thought, you know, oh, I'm a, like if I'm a singer, I can definitely, you know, get away with being a bit cocky or whatever. But I suppose like learning more and adapting more, you get more confident in certain areas, but you start to realize, you know, okay, we need to like humble down in, you know, in certain bits too, because like we were saying there, going back to the social media and all, if you show yourself off to be too much, like nobody likes that. Do you know what I mean? Nobody likes that. Be confident. Everybody deserves to be confident. But being overconfident, then I suppose you just start turning noses up, and then you're only asking for a bit of trouble, then, aren't you? Yeah, and you're you and you're one of them guys. Well, you'll talk to anyone. You'll stop you, anyone oh. who stops you in the street. You will speak to them, and Big time. you know that's that's your personality. Yeah, you know, and I think that carries any person, general manners. Yeah. You know, respecting people. I think you know. I think a lot of my friends and family would have a lot to say about that too. Because I'm sure we all, we all look. You, you know, like I always said, you, you can follow a path, right? But there's always going to be a wee slip in the road where you you're a human being, right? Yeah. Um, and everyone sees, puts you on a pedestal, and expects you to be doing everything that you're expected to do, mm-hmm. right? But 
I know myself, my temper can go. I can get cross because I'm allowed to. Mm-hmm. I can be happy. Or I can fuck someone off. Yeah. You know, and that's the bottom line. We are human beings like yeah. everyone else. And I'm not I'm not talking for anyone. I'm talking about me and you here in this conversation. And uh, you do be expected to be given everything. Yeah, well, you do. Like, it's just, it, it like, it is, it's hard to, is it, like, it's hard to be in a situation, I suppose, at times where you have to think about everything that you're going to say or do because nobody's capable of doing that. Do you know what I mean? It's impossible. Yeah, it's impossible. So, there, like, there's a lot of, you know, people get a lot of, you know, like oh you said the wrong thing whenever you were you were up there singing or this that and the other and you're like well you know did you ever hear me on the microphone? <laughs> well, I mean, like, I'm the same. Do you know? Do you mean? ever hear some of the stuff I come out? Yeah, like? I'm the same. I think my mum shouted up. Um, <laughs> at the the first gig, I think she shouted up, "Stop cursing!" <laughs> I know. I, I tried to say to myself, right for season two, I'm not going to curse because was a there was a woman thought there was too much bad language <laughs> in my first uh, episode or first uh, season of the podcast and. Sure, you just I fucked that up already. <laughs> but um, so the love for music was came in around uh, high school, and then you picked up the guitar, and then I suppose me being in the industry, uh, floating through the clouds around then, so it was. Mm. Um, I heard of you, and you came out and done a few gigs, and then the name started to sort of take place. Yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, it was actually the, the thing that I suppose one of the things that um really kick-started the, the want for music was whenever Ed Sheeran was playing in... Dublin? No, in Cool at the... Remember the Cool in the oh, Park? Oh, Cool in, in the Park in, in Bransford. Yeah, yeah. And, that was um, a long time ago. Oh, yeah. So I, I think I was 14 at the time. Um, and we were in... We were in the front row, like it was me and all the boys had obviously just said, right, we'll push up, we'll push up, try and see... Um, was he... I'm going to interrupt. Was he like a wee inspiration for you? Yeah, well, he was. So he, what, what had happened there was he had just released A-Team. And I was, you know, sitting in the in the office in the house, you know, with the with the Mac up, Mummy's Mac on the on the desk, and had the you know the webcam on, all recording wee videos. And I had just done a wee video of A Team, and we came, we went to the to the gig then in St Paddy's Park, and I think Connor Phillips was actually doing the MC that day. Well, I don't think I know who he was, um, and he just got up onto the stage, and Ed Sheeran was getting ready to come on, and he was like, "So, do we have any singers around the front row?" And like I obviously was just standing there, like completely, like shell shocked. You know, yeah, no, no, not shell shocked. Just like completely, like I'm not saying anything here. Like, <laughs> the nerves kicked in. Absolutely no way. And it was actually a couple of my cousins were beside me, girls, and they started screaming, pointing at my head, and I was like, like absolutely not. Like there's how many amount of people here, and this, you know. So I just just kind of tucked my head right down and got down in my honkers, and um, there's a few of my mates with me, and they were kind of like, you know, holding me down, like making sure that, because I, I told them, like, I do not want to do this, and the next minute, Connor Phillips just came right out over the barrier and, like, thumped me on the back of the head with the microphone, and so I just stood up, and he was like, are you a singer? And I was like, yeah, well, I mean, like, I... I, I, I try to be. I do enjoy singing, yeah. and he was like, sing the chorus of A-Team. And just held the microphone out so like there's not not much you can do there you can't really tell him to go away you know mm-hmm. so um i just started singing a team and as i was singing it ed sheeran came out onto the stage so like that to me was like holy shit like i'm singing with ed sheeran here so that was a moment yeah so it was a moment then but i think the main thing that i took from that was ed sheeran was playing in newcastle county down that day and look at him now do you know what i mean so yeah. it's like he never knew at that stage that he was going to end up where he is now. So I suppose, I mean, 
there's yeah, a lot. That's a dream. Yeah, there's a there's a big dream there. Do you know what I mean? So like you're putting comparisons in there. You yeah. know, if he can do it, I can do it. Yeah, exactly. And there's no holding you back. The only person holding you back is yourself. Yeah, big time. And that's not happening anymore. Like there's no. just whatever. Like what will be will be, and I'm just gonna keep going with with what I'm doing, starting with a CP. So. Yeah, and here, it was out and about then. After that concert, the age of 14, you, you left school. And when you when you left school, did you have any ideas where your career was going? Um, may it be further education at university? Or did you, what was your ideas then? Yeah, well, I had, um, what do you call it? I had, I had, you know, a dream of going to, to Queens at the start and stuff. But that was just, that was literally just because I had you know, everybody else was wanting to go to Queens or whatever. Um, but I had um, left left school at the age of 18 and I went to college in Armagh to the SRC and I, I was doing music production and um, music performance, but it just wasn't really working out. It was a lot of traveling um, and, you know, I didn't really have a job at that stage. So it was like a lot of traveling, petrol, um and all the rest. So would that have been people driving you about, or did you no, have? No, no, it was me. It was me. I was, I was driving. I think that's why I got lazy in the end. though and kind of dropped out of college then because, you know, I'd done a year. Um, it just and, wasn't for you, was it, Stephen? No, it. I suppose you know it, there were some great people up there, but I suppose like you know you go, you go to like you want to be a, you know the next big thing or whatever it is that you want to be, and you go to college to try and take a step forward, you know, to do that or university or whatever, but. It's like everything else, once the paperwork gets involved, you're like, ah. So that would have been a wee bump in the road for you? Not really a bump in the road, but yeah, I suppose I looked at it for a wee while saying like, oh, like, you know, I've just wasted a year here trying to trying to get somewhere. But No, I don't believe you wasted a year. You, you, that was a year where you learned. Yeah, true. You know, true. Um, I could have said I've wasted so many years using. But no, it's where I learned yeah. to say, right, okay. Time to wise up. Mm-hmm. So I, I don't think you wasted that year. It was where you sort of, you learned from your mistakes. Yeah. And then it was just uh, after that, what, what took place then? Well, then I kind of, I came home and I just started gigging locally for a wee while, um, you know, and learned, just started learning more about the music industry and what, you know, what it was about. And, you know, that on its own has a lot of highs and lows because you're, you know, you're, you're going and doing a gig and then people are saying, oh, but, you know, you know, how much are you charging? You tell them a price and you're only really working your price at that stage off what yeah. other people have said. Exactly, know, yeah. Whatever, other, what other people have advised you to do. So then whenever people say, oh, well, we're getting such and such a singer for 50 quid less. You're oh, going, sure. You're still get, I still get that. Yeah. Well, so, I mean? yeah, well, so would I. Like, But you you kind of say to yourself, you know, you're like, well, why didn't you get them then? Like, I, like what are you supposed to say in that sort of situation? Always, val- always value your... Yeah, yeah. So it's just always sticking to your own, like sticking to your guns and saying, you know, you know, if I if I've went in at that, you know, it's not even it's not like for me, it's not about money in a sense, but like we all have to get paid to get on with life. Do you know exactly? What I mean? It's so, a career, and you need to be paid in your career. And yeah. you, and uh, and this is what I try to explain to people: you're giving your time, you're giving your value, you're giving your experience. Big time. You know what I mean? And if you want to, if you want that, you pay for it. Yeah. And that's not being arrogant. No, no. You know, because I'm DJing twenty three years. Okay, and I know what it's like at the very start. You mm-hmm. can't wait to get out, and you will be cheaper, and and that's about growing as a person, and then you become valued as a person. Um, and it was a guy actually said that, that to me not so long ago, a local guy, and uh, it made perfect sense. So it did about being valued for what you actually do, 
Mm-hmm. You know, it may be a joiner, a plumber, a singer, a brickie, whatever you can do. You cannot buy experience. You know what I mean? So what you deserve is what you get. Yeah. And if people don't want to pay it, that's fine. Yeah. You know, I've had it. That's okay. No problem. Yeah. I wish you all the best. Yeah, you yeah, know, And big, that's the simple answer. Yeah, big time. And, you know, you were starting that career. Um, you had to get that gear and you had to get from A to B. And, you know, I remember your mum contacting me about uh, speakers one time. That's right, yeah. Uh, and I then, still remember that too, yeah. yeah. And then she was going down and says, I'm going to get him Dax. And I was going, Jesus, he's, he's going from a singer to a, a DJ here. Yeah. But it was funny that she was really behind you. Oh. And, and that's amazing. My dad was the exact same. Yeah. And I'll never forget the day he got me, he got me my first loan to get the equipment. And, yeah. the, the, you know, he put it down in his name and I was young. And I never forget that. Yeah. Uh, and I'll never forget one night. Um, this came back to me not so long ago. Um, there used to be the play school group in Caswell, and it was run by the late Geraldine Boyle. Um, and she always had me booked on Boxing Night and Easter Monday. And they were the biggest nights in Caswell Club. You know, really packed to capacity. And I got this opportunity to DJ at it, and I played at it. My dad came up and said to me, hey, boy, you're very good at that. You stick at that. And I'll never forget them words. Yeah. Because, you know... Men and dads and all that there, but to hear that was absolutely amazing for yeah. me, you know. And your mum was exactly same as you. She's been behind you the whole way. I seen her last week, yeah. Uh, and your her sisters and you know, it's just been really. It's nice to see that. Yeah, no, every like everybody in the family, especially mummy, they like they're just really, really, really backed everything that I've. Not every decision that I've made, but every you know every direction that I've took with my music, they've just said. Like, if you think this is right for you, you know, you go and do it. And I've, like, I've had way, way more than just a financial backing, you know, from my younger years. Like, it's been, you it's been love. amazing. Yeah. The yeah. love and compassion Big is, uh, it takes away, and belief. Yeah. When someone believes in you that is so close to you, you know, it's, uh, it makes it ten times better. See, when I get, uh, my, my sister Cora gives me a wee comment about my podcast, I always ask her, what do you think? And when she says, I loved it. That gave me, it means more to me than, not saying I appreciate everyone else's comments, yeah. but when she gives it to me, um, who listens to every single episode and she tells me yes or no, and like, it's so nice to hear that. Yeah. Um, because families being families, there's arguments, there's disagreements. Yeah. We all know it and it happens everywhere. But um, when you have that uh, behind you, yeah, it can only make you stronger. I know, well, that's like, I have to say, you know, every single person that I have around me at the minute, they're, they're like, they're just unbelievable from my own family, including my girlfriend and all the boys, like all my mates, like all of them just have this, like, you know, mad, not even a mad love for my music. I think they just have a mad love to see me doing what I'm doing, you know, because they've been around for so long, you know, they've seen me from such a young age or whatever, like, and they just love seeing that I'm actually able to, you know, to show it off now a wee bit more than I've ever been able to do before. So it's just class. like Yeah. And your mates are also important to be behind you. Big time. You know, cause they can, they'll give you a kick up the arse when you need it. Yeah. And you know, there was a time you probably were, you wouldn't have, you probably took that wee bit of, uh, I can be bored doing this gig. Yeah. Oh, Big time, you know, like that just happens. 
And, um, you know, like I remember that age when I was started out, people would ring me, no, I, I can't do that. Okay, um, I'm going to the arena that night. Mm, yeah. I'm going out that night. Yeah. And that was in the early twenties, um, early late teens, early twenties. Um, or no, no, I'm I ain't going party on that night. Fuck off! I'm I know, fucking doing a gig. Yeah, and that's what happened to me, right? And I know that. And I had my dad actually given off to me because I he then found out that I said no to a gig. And you're saying no to gigs. Mm. But it, it's all about learning. See it now, is, yeah. see now, I wouldn't say no to a bar mitzvah. Yeah, yeah. You know, you know what I mean? It's it is it's especially now after having you know so long without it, um. But yeah, it's I suppose for me now though, like <clears throat> not like I wouldn't say no to a gig to go partying, definitely not. But there would there would have been a time. Oh yeah, definitely. You, I mean, there would there would have been a time where I would have been saying, "Ah, oh, you're missing out you know, all your all, mates. All the boys going are going out to watch football that day, or you know, yeah, things like that." And that is like I suppose that is definitely a big learning curve. But you know. You've got to live as well, you know. It's oh, I, I agree with you. You know, you've got to just say, you know, the the only problem we have to live. But back then, we didn't know to say, you know, right this weekend, I'm not booking anything in. It was like a nearly booking it in and then saying, oh God, you know, they're going out now, and you know, or whatever, you know, whatever the excuse is for not wanting to do the gig. But I, I remember Daddy had it drove me around till I was thirty mm-hmm. with my DJ gear and my mother. You know, they took me to all my gigs because, and then the gear would have sat there and uh, I would have got a taxi home or whatever. And yeah. we went and picked it up the next day and got a free to drink in me and whatever. And I just, you know, I went through the motions, I suppose. Yeah, and I, I really haven't talked about it. And it's great to have someone in the same way of things. That, yeah. that it wasn't all, um, you know, unicorns and rainbows back then. It was hard graphs you didn't get gigs you wanted and you didn't want to do them yeah no it's it's hard it's hard that's actually what i was going to touch on was you know taking gigs and stuff is that you have to do you know people look at it and say i can't believe you didn't do that gig like you were going to get paid x amount of pounds for it and you're saying but that gig was going to be torture from you know from certain individuals that were going to be there but how do you know that? Because I played there three weeks ago and know what it's like, you know, and people don't understand the downside to doing gigs live. Like when you are in a bar and I've been that person who's drunk in the bar, torture, <laughs> torturing the DJ. I'm sure I've tortured you and Quinn's plenty of times. Yeah. You know what I mean? And you know the other thing I hate at the man. I'm going to just interrupt. See when people do this here, you know mm. that, uh, yeah. turn don't, that song off with your neck. Don't play this. Don't play this. <laughs> yeah. I'm like, the floor is packed. Oh, it's all about you, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I hate that. I know. It's oh, what are you playing next? Um, can you plug my iPhone in here to play this song on <laughs> SoundCloud? Okay, thanks. I Go know, ahead. I know, I know. But sure, that look, that's the thing, and that's that's where it definitely comes into that you have to have a hard skin going into the music industry because Big you're time. you're gonna get. That's what I touched on before. Like you're gonna be loved by many, but a target to the you know to the minority, and that's that's always gonna happen. You're always gonna get that. Oh, he can't mix. He can't do this. He's mm. what's he playing that for? No, you yeah. Know? But to, you get that. And I've, got, I've had, you know, I've had a few people saying, "I can't believe you wouldn't play Tina Turner," and I'm going like, like "Oh, that I'm, husky I'm, voice, dude, <laughs> rolling, yeah, rolling on a river." It does. It does work. To be fair, like, and I do do it at certain events. But like, you know, if you're playing, you know, you're playing at a drinks reception of a wedding, and people are, you know, really chilling, having a a glass of prosecco or a coffee, you know, you know, a scone or whatever, and like. Yep. People, 
somebody rolls in that's had 20 balls <laughs> you know, just, just wanting to get the party started early and you're like you know there's there's a there's time, time, the time and a place for certain music to be played so oh you you do get that there like i, I seen when i was playing at the start of a night hey you wouldn't play a maniac no, i'm like it's uh, half nine yeah yeah you know that's for later on that's yeah. why i'm standing behind here and you're out there yeah exactly and, and you don't want to be ignorant at them but that's just the way it is so then the career started to blossom in the local area you were playing in a lot of venues and then um y- your name was getting out there yeah and then uh, then i decided to take off um i went to ibiza first which was an experience for so many reasons i mean i went to ibiza like completely blind um, I just wanted to get away. I wanted to get away into the sunshine. Um, and like, where better to go than Ibiza? You know, to go and experience the world and go and experience. You know, a whole, a whole different. You know, atmosphere. You know, you're getting out there and you're getting you're working in a in a place where people are literally coming to hear music. Because Ibiza is yes, massively into the clubs and stuff. But some of the live music out there, you know, some of the other musicians that I've worked with, uh, worked with three guys in particular. Um, Brad Jameson, um, Paddy Slater, and Carl Cosgrove. Carl's actually from Dublin. The other two are from England. But um, working with them three, you know, especially with Carl and Paddy, um, being residents in a bar called Dunnigan's over there, like I learned a lot about how to how to entertain people and like how to how to have a presence about you rather than just being a good singer. Do you know that kind of yeah, way? Well. That, that, that's nice to know because I remember having a conversation with you, a constructive criticism which says we need to ump it up a wee yeah, bit here. exactly. Bring that BPM up a bit yeah. and try and get into that crowd because your voice was perfect and you were playing the guitar and you had your own type of, you know... Music. Music. And I always was saying there's more to this guy. Yeah. You know, can we try and ump it up a bit? Yeah. And that was only constructive criticism. Big you probably time, walked yeah. away and said, fuck him. <laughs> no, 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 I definitely didn't. But you know what I mean? And I always realised that there was something more to you. Yeah. and. Um, the, everything else was there, you know, the stage presence, you know, the, yeah. the playing of the instrument and the singing. Yeah. And when you went out there, that's probably where it all sort of the come together. Well, it was, it, it came together because it was like, you know, you're no longer playing in Newcastle County Down. You're in Ibiza. So if there's people there, you have to entertain because, yeah. you know, they've come to Ibiza to party. So like you're, you're in a place where, you're either going to be that guy who got the night started or that guy who put a dampener on the evening. Do you know what I mean? Because you're there, you know, people are coming to the Irish bar at nine o'clock, 10 o'clock. Cause I like go over there, the pubs are open to what five or six o'clock in the morning. So people are coming to the Irish bar at nine o'clock, 10 o'clock, 11 o'clock to hear music, to, you know, to get drinking, you know, to, to get the party going. So you want to, you want to be that person that they wake up the next day and say, fuck, you know, that was a really good, that was a really good night. And it was really good because it started off you know, in that Irish bar and, you know, with them guys, not just me, with any of the boys that were playing. Um, you know, so that was that was the good side of, of learning um, about, you know, about... Getting more out of yourself. Yeah, exactly. But, well, you, you tapped on on something there that really, really just triggered me. Um, you said, uh, may it be that guy who's entertaining at the start of the night or the end of the night? And this is where I have... A, 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 it's not a problem, but I have... Uh, I don't agree with right. It's a, it's in the wedding industry, and people who listen, I don't know. I don't care if you're if you're one of these people that do it because I'm going to say it. I'm just this is how it is. When you, you like, people look at a DJ at a wedding and they say, "There's only only presses buttons, only a DJ, right?" Mm-hmm. But they're the last part of the entertainment of your biggest day. 
Yeah. Okay. And you see these packages come out, band DJ package, and there's very few that I know that are actually DJs. Yeah. Okay. And they're saying, we'll do it for this price and we'll do this. We have it all set up and we do it, but you don't need a DJ. Because they're looking the axe there and they cut the throat of the DJ who is experienced in it. And they'll go in and say, they'll put a Spotify playlist on and that is it. And they'll start taking the gear down and they have no connection with the crowd whatsoever. Yeah. And this is where I do not agree with them because during lockdown, they had, there was so many packages out there, but no way DJs were allowed, but bands weren't. Yeah. Uh, the brides are saying, oh, can we have the DJ then? Just for, you know, we couldn't do a DJ set for four hours because they're not DJs and they yeah. don't have the equipment. They don't have the, their stick what you're good at. Yeah. You know what I mean? And I'm, I'm not going on a rant here, but you, you triggered something there. And then they were coming to the likes of me or other guys in the industry and saying, we need a DJ. We had a band and they can't offer the DJ because he wasn't, I actually told him, because he's not a DJ. Yeah. And people should stand up and realize Stop these packages because you're only killing the industry for everyone. Yeah, uh, yeah. Uh, you know what I mean. So let the people do what they're good at, and just see Spotify. I wish it wasn't allowed to be used after eleven o'clock at night. I know, <laughs> you well, know, because that's what they're doing. It's actually, it's actually hard. It's actually hard for for musicians, especially you know producers and and songwriters that that Spotify is such a big thing. It's a good thing for you know putting out in social media, you know, download my music and listen to it on Spotify, but you're not getting paid for it. Like we, like you're no. literally getting less than a penny per song for, you know, for what we're, for what we're producing, like for thousands in the studio. Yeah. It's okay you know? for the boys at the top. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah. So, and it's, a, I suppose it's exact same the way I'm, I'm explaining that. Yeah. You stick, not you and I'm talking about you, but to the people, stick what you're good at. If yeah. you can play guitar, if you're a singer or you're a drummer, you stick to that. Let the DJs do their work. Yeah, exactly. And uh, this is where brides and grooms, they get sucked into this, oh, it's cheaper and it's handier. It's not handier because we set up the exact same time with the bands. Yeah. And we are DJs. You're the band. Yeah. Let's have a party. Exactly. And yeah. that's what we want. You know, and that's why I feel that a lot of people are struggling that way. Yeah. You know, and uh, why they're not booking certain things and saying, no, we're not going to book you because we have a DJ now. It comes with a band. And I'm like... Okay. Good luck. Thank you very much. <laughs> anyway, we'll I'll go off the round. There's there's been there's been a couple of weddings that I've done to be fair that I've done that, but I've like specifically stated that it'll be a disco, you know, like I'll be putting on I mean, I learned a bit from you to be fair whenever I bought them decks and stuff, but you know what, like I've done that a couple of times at weddings, but it's more so for people who are, you know, like a very close family friend yeah. or or yeah. family and they said look, it's not a big wedding, so, you know, don't worry about it or whatever. And I'm going, well, like, I'll be there if you want me to. But you, you don't advertise it. No, 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 no. That's what I'm, yeah, ta that's yeah, what, yeah, that's what I'm talking not. about. You don't advertise it. No, that, no, no. That can happen, you know. Yeah. But you're not getting me on a guitar, but. <laughs> no, well, I mean, you never know. Oh, Jesus, never. <laughs> Here, so in Ibiza, you, you started to see um, a, a big insight to the music, the entertaining side of things. And what comes with that is the partying side of things. And, I, you went to the White Island, like, yeah. as they call it, and um, it's it's mad. It's just party from the day you arrive to the day you come yeah. home. Um, how did you maintain that? Yeah, well, I mean, it was tough to be fair. Um, that's actually where the whole the whole side of you know writing really came out because I started to feel a lot more than I was feeling at home. Um, 
you're away from home, you're away from your your your, your close knit people, yeah. your, your friends and your family. Yeah, exactly. Like I literally just booked a one way ticket to Ibiza by myself and just went out there and met some great people out there. To be fair, um, but whenever I was out there, um, there was days where I felt like I was on top of the world, but then it went literally from being there to rock bottom, like no no warnings, no nothing. You were just literally like. The heat was the big thing for me over there because you were getting home. Um, I actually ended up working in the bar that I was singing in um, because I was just like, look, I don't know anybody here. So if I can get a job that I'm able to sing in the bar and then stay there, you know, and work, you know, it, it would be great to kind of connect with people. So I wasn't getting home till like four o'clock in the morning every night. And um, I was getting into bed and I was literally just lying there. I was like, this heat is brutal. Yeah. Brutal. We were in an apartment. You couldn't. Aff- I couldn't afford a fancy apartment, so I was in an apartment with. I was actually sharing with seven other people. Tidy. In an apartment, so there was like. I mean, there was there was room for for eight people in the house, but every room was like a box. You know. Yeah. There was two, no aircon or no nothing. Two beds, no aircon, and if you opened the window, it actually felt like it was warmer. <laughs> you know, just warmer coming in. Um, I think that whenever I was over there in the middle of August, we had like thirty-seven and a half degrees, and I was like. You know, young lad from Ireland, like, how do we, how do we live in this? You know, it's all right whenever you're away on holidays and you're in a nice hotel. But you know you're going home. Yeah, exactly. And Um, you've got a pool there to cool down. Yeah. But, you know, at the time, obviously, I felt very negative about, you know, being on Ibiza at times because I was like, this is, you know, this is brutal. Like, I'm I'm not making any money, but there, there was a guy called Will McMullen who I would class as one of my best friends and I will forever. Um... He lived with me for the first month. We had a nice apartment for the first month because obviously we went there with a bit of money. You know, we had saved up and I met him out there um, and, and along with another guy from Galway called Michael Gibbons. Um, but me and him, the three of us got into an apartment together. It was a lovely wee apartment and all. Um, but by the time we got to the end of it, we were only at the end of the first month. We could only afford a month's rent. And by the time we got to the end of the first month, we hadn't been in our jobs long enough to... To pay, for the second month. to pay for the second month yep. so we had to find somewhere cheaper and unfortunately me and Will couldn't get it but Michael decided that it was time to go home and he actually ended up playing an ultra music festival <laughs> whenever, wow. whenever he went home it was just blew up for him so at the time but and Will is doing really well for himself as well he's um he's now DJing for Foreverland if you if you've yeah. um, heard of them and he's you know he's doing a lot of promotion and videography and photography and all as well um but me and Will we both stayed in Ibiza. And to be honest with you, if it wasn't for him, I was I was on the plane with Michael. Um and Will said to me, Look, here you know, here's the deal from from an outsider looking in, somebody that's just met you, he was like, You're a good lad, you've got a ma- like a major talent and you've got a you know, a good work drive. So he said, If you stay here, like I can promise you that your career's gonna take off. You know, so I said to myself, look, you know, this guy's a bit younger than me, but he's definitely a bit wiser than me. Yeah. Um, and he had a lot of time for me, and I have a lot of time for him as well. Sometimes um, you need to hear that, that yeah, don't you? Yeah, big time. So whenever he told me, like he said, he said to me one day, you know, I've only met you, I've only known you for a month, but I will do everything in my power to keep you on this island. And, you know, whenever he said that, I thought to myself, if somebody has that belief that I'm worth their time, you know, to, to keep me with them, you know, then it must, you know, I must be doing something right. And like, I have to thank Will for, for doing that because. It was a, it was a, probably a moment in your life where you look back and say, that's been, that's well, helped me. Yeah. Well, that's why, like, that's why, like, I haven't seen Will now for nearly two years. 
it's actually two years this month. I went, I flew over to Manchester to play at his 21st birthday. And I got, you know, I got to meet all his family and all, which was amazing. And, you know, the thing is, is that if, if Will didn't say that to me that day, I, I would have kept going in the music industry, but I would, I definitely wouldn't have had the belief that I had coming home from my Ibiza. And, um, whenever I was away, like you were saying from, to me earlier on, you know, from the outside looking in, I was having an amazing time. Yeah. I was and jealous. Even though, yeah, well, I mean, I would have been jealous if it was you too, to be fair, but I wasn't jealous of myself whenever I was over there. But, um, well, at times, I mean, I had some fantastic times over there too. Um, but whenever I got home, my phone didn't stop and I got booked. Constantly. Constantly, simply because I was, was posting on social media and people were saying, oh, well, if, he, if he's playing in Ibiza, like he has to play in our bar. You know, and things like that. So it really, really worked. Um, and every time I upload a new song or whatever, Will's messaging me. Or he, if you if you go through all my my posts on Instagram, you'll see him. You know, yep. comment on my bro or my brother. You know, with with hearts and stuff. And you know, there's just there there has been a connection between me and him since the the very first day that we worked together. We used to get up in the morning and sit at the at the kitchen table with the laptops out. You know, and you know, try and do a bit of work together. And we've actually, I don't know what stage he's at, but we've got a song coming out together. Um, oh, brilliant. Yeah, it's, I mean, it's 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 quality. Like, it's kind of like Camel Fat, you know, it's that type of style. So it's... Class. Oh, it's, it's we'll, really, we'll be looking forward to that. It's really cool. Like, <laughs> um, So after Ibiza, um, I remember a post going up. You came home when you were getting booked everywhere. Um, then uh, you headed to Andorra. Yeah. And then that made me even fucking more jealous. Yeah, well, I mean, that Andorra... Because I love skiing. Yeah, oh, same. So... Yeah, I remember I, taxing you out there when yeah, you were telling me. Yeah, taxing me saying, how did I get there? <laughs> I said, well, it's a very long bus from Barcelona, I can tell you that. Yeah. Um, but no, we, um, the, owner, the the owners of the bar um, that I played in in Andorra, they actually live in Ibiza in the summertime. So they came and seen me sing and they were like, look, you know, we really like your voice um, and we'd love you to come and be a part of our team in Andorra. So I was like, how could you not love that voice? <laughs> I actually said, where's Andorra? <laughs> <laughs> you said, where's Andorra? Yeah. I did, just, At least you're honest. Do you know what, though? It wasn't like I knew I knew roughly where Andorra was, but I'd never known much about it, so I didn't know if it was like... I, in Spain, and you've got the snow. Yeah, yeah. So they they said, oh, it's a ski resort. And I was like, oh, right, yes, yes, yes. Just between Spain and France, the border country. And yeah, that's us, yeah. It's and a Pyrenees, if anyone else is looking. Per, it's Pyrenees, yeah. So, but it's absolutely stunning. Yeah. It's it's a country that, like, I, I actually... Tax-free. I was talking to Elaine about it the other day, saying, like, we have to, we have to, you know, get back out there because obviously... Play the Casa, I, don't it? Paz, Paz de la Casa, Paz de la Casa. Yeah. Paz de la Casa, um... But yeah, no, we were, uh, do you know what? Just going, I think going from Ibiza and learning so much about being away, it made my experience in Andorra way better because I learned how to be away properly. And, you know, it wasn't even, like I knew how to be away. I'd been away before and stuff, but being away and working on all your own, you know, your own funding and trying to make sure that you're getting it and all. And then, you know, you're being persuaded to go out and a night out by people. So you're going out, and like maybe they have, you know, a few a few hundred more quid in their bank at that stage than you do. But they're like, oh, sure, we'll go on, we'll stay out. And you're like, oh, Jesus, right, okay. And then you wake up the next day and you're like, like I couldn't afford to do that. So when I went to Andorra, you know, I was a lot more well off, as in I, was, I had a lot more knowledge, 
you know, about how to how to budget and how to spend my money and and how to enjoy myself. Yeah. You know, how to enjoy it. Like how to say I'm in a bloody ski resort here. I you know, I have the opportunity to The weather was a wee bit colder. Well, it was that was nice though, because whenever yeah. you're a wee bit hungover, you could swing the window open and it was freezing cold there. Yep. Just cured straight away. Um, you know, and then you're getting up and you're slipping your your your, your salad pets on and you're putting your boots on and away up the mountain you go, you know, three or four hours and it like that was the joy of it. Because when I always find when you're on a ski holiday, you come down off the mountain every day and you're aching because you're saying like them boots were too tight, but you know, I listen to them a bit in the skis where you're starting to wobble and you know, like you know yourself yep. how tough it is to ski. You <laughs> know what I mean? My you, legs are like rubber at the end of it. Yeah, so you <clears throat> you get that whenever you're on holidays. But the joy of being there for a season and, you know, getting a season pass is that you can literally go up for an hour or two hours and come back down and get your lunch and all and then get shard and changed and a way to work. Do you know I'll play skis fun. Yeah, yeah, it is. I play skis more fun, obviously, whenever I, I find it better. Uh, a ski holly better than a sun holly. Oh yeah, I, I no, enjoy it. One hundred percent. Ten times better. One hundred percent. It's just one of them holidays where everyone's so happy. Yeah. You know, I always went uh, Austria, a place called Sol. That's where I've been to Sol as well. Yeah, yeah. I think I've done eleven or twelve seasons there, and I get, became part of the furniture. I actually mm. DJed out there, and I a lot of friends out there. Yeah. And you know, it's just one of them places that I always recall like home. Yeah. You know, because when you arrive there, I haven't been now due to COVID, I haven't been there in a while, but I can't wait to go back. I know, yeah. Well, that's where we've been trying to decide a couple of different places where to go, but we've we've connections in Germany as well, you see, so that's where we would fly into Munich and then drive up to, yeah. drive to, well, down to Austria, isn't it? But, um, no, we, <clears throat> whenever I was in Andorra, I just learned, I like I learned how to be, you know, the main act. I think that, you know. Your confidence in. Yeah, because in... Um, in Ibiza, I was doing the support act um, three or four nights a week, and then I had one night a week where I was the main act. You know, and then there was a couple of times where there was like somebody called in sick or whatever. I was doing the main act or whatever, but then, you know, I got hired to go to Andorra to be the you know to be the main the main act every week, which was fantastic, and you know I was looked after so well um, by Gary and Eben. Gary's actually originally from Bangor, um, so he is. So it's you know. It's been, it's been amazing to connect with people, you know, in different countries from here. Yeah, you know, it's, as a, well it's, as a good, it's a good way to network with people. Yeah. Because you, you find that, um, I'm not blowing your own trumpet here, but you find the people that do play in them resorts are special talents. Yeah. You know, and people just don't willy-nilly pick anyone out of the, no. you know, to do them things. Yeah, no big so, But, you know, to go out there to experience it. And was there any dark days in, ski, in the ski holidays? Or, oh, I, Yeah. There was, yeah. Well, I mean, you just, I mean, you get you get the things, don't you? Where you, you at the end of the day, you're in a bar. It's like everywhere else. You've you got, you need to be smiling. Yeah, you need to be in that zone, no yeah. matter what. Yeah, and then you've got you've got people who are absolutely pissed or whatever. You know, they're coming up and they're hurling abuse at you, and they're you know they're they're not they're not trying to hurl abuse, but they are. You know that kind of way. Like they're they're burning you up inside, but you just have to be on the mic saying, I like, I'll do that for you, you know, whatever it is. But as well as, as well as the punters, you know, it's all good crack. It's all fun and games. There's shots going, there's pints going. But at the end of the day, everybody else in that bar are your colleagues and colleagues fall out with each other on a daily basis. And it can be really hard whenever it's such a, you know, it's such a small knit community over there 
So it's really hard if you fall out with somebody, you know, over over something silly. Mm-hmm. You know, you're going into work the next day and you're both maybe like a wee bit hungover or whatever and you're like coming in and then there's like a bad vibe and then you've got, you know, you your boss, your manager coming down, like what happened last night and like at times you nearly feel like you're you're a kid. You know, you're like, why, am I, cool. why am I being tutored here? You know, that kind of way. But, you know, there weren't there weren't a major amount of dark days over there. Um, you enjoyed it. You learned from your 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 time in Ibiza yeah. and all learning curve that you had in your life, and you can look back at. And then you looked at the high of Andorra, and then you came home again. And, uh, <laughs> rest and saying, the rest is just <laughs> you know you must have got a bright spark out there just to give you uh, like you said about was it Will yeah yeah uh, he he must have give you something inside. Yeah, well, you know, he, I give you belief. I give you something that you say. Hold on a minute here. I've got something here. Yeah, to hear the owners from that bar in um, Andorra, to hear you in Ibiza, they could. There's there's hundreds of artists go out there, and to be picked. You know, you probably not didn't think about it that way, but to be picked to come and play in a very popular ski resort was full of. Um, headers. Yeah, <laughs> let's be honest. Cause that's it's, right a, me. <laughs> it's like a beta on the snow. Yeah, it is. You know yeah. what I mean, and that's the bottom line. And uh, you know that must have given you some belief to then put more to the jigsaw. Yeah, you know, like we'll talk about that. And then the next piece, the jigsaw came when you did finally come home. You were like a new man. Yeah, it was. Just- I remember talking to you when you came back from a beta, right? I remember talking to you in Quinn's yeah. and we had a conversation and then you came back and you were like totally different. Yeah. Yeah. It was just, I suppose I was still, I, I think whenever I came home from my base, I was really glad to get home. I yeah. was like, do you know what? Like I really enjoyed it. It was really good as in the gigging was good, you know, and the attention was good, you know, getting people coming in. Oh, you're, you're brilliant. Where are you from? And you know, whatever else. But, there was so many downsides to Ibiza in the sense of, you know, living arrangements, you know, getting sucked into going for drinks whenever you you can't afford it. Um, you're you know, you can't afford it because of your, you know, your your pay slip and stuff. And then there's so many people over there that come and go. You know, so you're meeting, you know, like there was so many people that came in to, to work in the same bar as me. And it just didn't work out for them. So they were they were on the next plane home and I had maybe, you know, gained a good friendship with them people or whatever. So there yeah. was a there was a lot you really had to just trust in yourself, you know, to do your own thing over there. Um, but then, well, I suppose that didn't really happen in Andorra because it was too hard to get down <laughs> to get down off the mountain. Yeah, so. you just had you know, the only way one one way down. Yeah. You had it. You had a good time. Yeah. So you came home, and let's go into this story. Yeah. Well, I mean, I just I came home from Andorra, and I really just wanted to to focus. On. You were coming into sort of springtime here? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah I was, came home around Easter time. Um, I actually came home and went straight into Diamond Pats to do a gig on Easter Sunday. Um, th- they wanted me to stay out in Andorra for the extra week, but I was like, like, no, I have to get home for this gig and went home and, you know, we'd done the gig and it was, a, the gig was just amazing. And again, you know, everybody was saying, oh my God, like you just, you just blew up. And I was like, in my head, I was going. I'm still I, the same guy here. But I was going, I really haven't. Like my, yeah. fo- like my following has went up on social media. Like people just seen that I was, you know, living the dream and I'm doing, I'm doing inverted commas here for, for anybody that can't see um, what I'm doing, you know, um, because it's not, you know, it's not living the dream. It's like what you're saying, it's living a learning curve. You're, yeah. you're going through a process Different learn, stages. Yeah, to learn, like, you know, well, what's my next step? What like, what do I need to do now, to, you know, to, to just move on that tiny wee bit in the right direction? So 
I came home and I just started doing more and more gigs. Um, and then from then up to more recent times, I started realizing like, you know, I do enjoy doing cover gigs. I do enjoy getting the crowd going. I do enjoy being an entertainer. But now I want to entertain people through the use of my own music, you know? Yeah. And it's it's all about becoming just an artist. So like now I am an artist, you know, like I'm on How spot. does it feel to hear yourself say that? Yeah, I mean, it feels surreal that, that I'm, you know, that I've been blessed with the opportunities in life to to be able to get to this point. Um. But I just what I, I just recently got verified in Spotify as well for being an artist. But, you know, and I think it's because of the EP as well that you know they must you know. See. And how did that feel? Yeah, I mean, just I literally went on because <laughs> I know what it was like to be verified on iTunes and uh, and Spotify with a podcast, and yeah. I felt absolutely it's amazing. Just, yeah, because you just I know what happens to everyone. Yeah, you just go on and you you know you're you scroll down to see like you know how many people are listening, and you scroll down, and then the next minute you go onto your own profile, and then there's a blue tick beside your name. You're like, well. I know because it was it was funny there because I was putting a, a photograph up of the first episode of mm-hmm. season two. Guess who this guy is? And I had your song on "Blinded by Darkness." Yeah, you know, and to see that when I am going on to Instagram and you search Stephen Rafferty, I felt good for you. So yeah. I don't know how you felt. Yeah, yeah, no, it just ah, uh, yeah, it just. It, I know that people are listening now. Do that kind of way, and like it doesn't matter to me, you know how many people are listening because I know that there are, you know, certain amount of people listening on a, on a regular basis, which is just amazing. And to me, you know, the people that are coming back to listen again. And that must be a good sign for Spotify. You know, we, we talked about the, yeah. the, the, the negative, but a good thing is that your name is getting out there. Yeah, well, exactly. That's what I mean. You know, it's just the financial side of the music industry is getting tougher. Yeah. But, but for you now, because you're doing, you're a solo, yeah. you're not a solo artist, you're an artist now, Yeah, right? yeah. And you're starting, you sort of went to the, do the covers who were up here. Mm-hmm. So then you have to come down that mountain again, right? Yeah. And you're sitting at the bottom. You've released your EP and you're slowly but surely. Coming back up again. All I wish you hope to come up right up that top. Yeah. Thank you very much. <laughs> um, so that, that all happened and I want an insight to the album. You know, where did this come from? Some what? of the songs you wrote, like. Yeah, wow. well, wow. The, the the first song that's on the EP, um, rock sitting a, sitting here in front yeah, of me. Yeah, signed and all, <laughs> signed and all, rock and a hard place. Yeah, rock and a hard place. So like, it just speaks for itself, really. Um, that's whenever I came home from Andorra. So I come home from Ibiza, and I'd you know I'd been writing about you know experiences, just, just experiences, and how like life was just kind of moving so fast, and I didn't really know what was happening. And then whenever I came home from Andorra, I felt so good about you know, my own music career and stuff. And I felt good about what I had just been through. Um, but literally like, pardon the pun, but I came off that mountain very quickly. You know, I came home from Andorra and everything just snapped. And I was like, like shit, like what am I meant to do now? Because people think that I'm doing really well. So I need to, you know, keep this role. Maintain it. Yeah. yeah. And, um, that's where it came from. So it was kind of, I felt so happy in Andorra, but even whenever I was there, I wanted to be at home. And then whenever I came home, I was like, oh, like I want to be back in Andorra now. So that's, I literally felt like I was stuck between a rock and a hard place. And, and that's where that song came from. Yeah. So like some of the lyrics in it were, I don't know where I'm happy, so I don't know where to go. It's like, I'm trying to look back through my mind to every place I've ever known. So that was referring to being at home kind of before Ibiza and, you know, for many years, obviously before Ibiza. Um, and then being in Ibiza, then being home again, then going away to Andorra and coming back. So it's like, 
talking about trying to kind of scan through everywhere that I've been, all the places I've been, and pinpoint where I was happiness or happiest, sorry, and kind of try and base the next step around that moment. Yeah. You know? And then you've masqueraded. Yeah, well, masquerade was just... Is that a mask? Well, yeah, masquerade, you know. Yeah, you, that's the mask, yeah. yeah. Is that so the mask that you put on? It's it's the mask that I feel like we all put, put on. on. Exactly, so it's, it's, yeah. It's kind of, um, you know, basing between everything that I've been talking about, you know, recently, as you know, with, with this album and my up-and-coming album that's going to be coming out next year. It's all kind of based around mental health, um, but it's not just it's not just based on you know like all the main mental health issues. It's just based on how everything kind of does relate to it because we're all human beings. We all have we brains. We all have mentality. So and we all have feelings. Yes, exactly. So masquerade was kind of you know I was kind of referring to my own relationship and relationships of you know a few of my mates that um, that were going through um, at the time that I started writing it and. The, the word masquerade is basically how, you know, explaining how we all do put this film over our relationships to kind of protect it. Yeah. But it, 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 like about it. you know, they're kind of lies, you know, it's just, it's literally just, we're, we're both collectively masking this over so that people don't see the negative side or whatever it is. So some of the lyrics in that, um, they say it's time we stand out of the light. Or something I can't remember what way it goes now, but I need to hear it again. We'll get it. We'll get a wee lesson. But yeah, then yeah. the next one is another way around. Another way around is still focusing on the same. It's focusing on how relationships can, you know, being in a relationship can or, or having close friendships, whatever it is, um, can really. You know, it's, it's like every um, artist songs. There's a meaning to every song. Yeah, yeah, and, big and, time. and the one that you're dwelling on is the mental health side of things. Yeah. Which, you know, you don't realize, but when you put that on, yeah, I like mean, when I put on blind, sorry to interrupt, and I put on right. blinded from darkness, so like, I just whoa, yeah. Well, the thing is, though, is that I think that a lot of artists, whenever I listen to a lot of other artists' music, people say all the time, and again, I'm doing my inverted commas here, they say that they're all love songs that they're writing, but at the end of the day, that is whenever love, whenever, whenever you write a love song or you know, more importantly, a breakup song that messes with your head. So, you know, that I feel like a lot of artists are trying to get to that point, but they're too afraid at times to come out and say it because they use their music to go through it. Do you know what I mean? So like that is that like that, you know, it's a big thing. And like, it was a big step for me to take as well for me to just say, this is what I'm focusing on, you know, because I was just, you know, a lot of people would, well, they didn't thankfully, but I was expecting a lot of people to say, you know, he's just focusing on this because he's going to get attention for it. And, like, that was never... No, that's... I had that there anyway about the podcast. Yeah, yeah. And you know what? One ear out the other. Yeah, it okay. Did, it did annoy me at the very start. And I said, hey, hold on a minute here. Um, like, I remember a, a person saying to me, um, try living with you. You know, what it was like <laughs> to actually live with you when you're uh, being an, an active addiction. Yeah. I would rather have you where you are now. Yeah, compared to then, um, I I'm no advocate for mental health. I am no advocate for addiction. I'm just a man telling my story. Yeah, exactly, and that, that's the the bottom line. And I find that if you tell a story, brilliant. You are helping one person. Exactly. People listen. People listen. Yeah. Blinded by darkness. Oh, blinded by darkness. I think is the one that Th- it's y- the big one. I think yeah. So the reason that that was the title track was because, um, I was kind of we we shortlisted so these songs that that are there so that they came from a list of 30 and the ones the five that we chose in this are all shortlisted off 
songs that are going to be going on the album. So we're still left with 25 songs. Like there's obviously not going to be 25 songs on the album. Um, so we're going to have to do another short list, but that'll be the ones that are released um, further down the line. Yeah. The songs that were never released. Yeah. Yeah, you know? exactly. So we've got, we've got a couple of singles in the, you know, in the burner now they're kind of burning away um, ready to get um, released. But so we're, we're trying to choose them carefully, but blinded by darkness was the title track for this EP because it literally is just me talking about being overstimulated, overworked, and trying to push myself to every possible limit. And it just doesn't work. It just does not work. Like, you know, you know, working, working all the time and, you know, you're coming home and then it gets the weekend and you say, oh, everybody's going out. So we all have to go out as well. And the, the reason that it's called Blinded by Darkness is because, I, from a personal level, it's like being, you know, deprived of sleep and you push yourself to your limits and eventually what happens, well, what, what has happened to me is that I have found that my brain starts to adapt to the way I'm trying to push my body instead of listening to my brain and doing things the way my body needs, you know? Yeah. So, um, you know, that's why, that that's why I'm talking in the song or singing in the song about, you know, my, my, like my body's ready to literally shut down. You know, I say, and my body's telling me different. It's telling me that I'm about to fall and I'm blinded by darkness because it's me saying, um, my body is telling me that you need to get rest. You need to take a step back. You need to relax. That's where it, it really triggered home on me. Y- yeah. But I'm blinded by darkness. So I'm yeah. saying, yes, thank you body for trying to warn me, but you can piss off now because yeah. I have A, B, C and D to get done today before I go to sleep tonight. Right. Oh, thank you for going through that. Um, no but problem, the next yeah. thing, there's something just came into my head there, right? And I'm, I don't want it to slip away. There was then at Christmas. Yeah. yeah. You know, you wrote a song. Yeah. Um, for the homeless. Well, it was, it was, it was actually, the song was actually started for loneliness. Loneliness, right? Yeah. Um, and then, you know, the homelessness side of it came into it because it was a it was a it was like a pandemic well yeah i mean it, it's terrible and like it's still happening everywhere all the time all and, in the world yeah and but then i suppose the other thing though is like a lot of homeless people are lonely you know like yeah. i mean not a lot i would i would safely say that all them 99.9 percent of them you know unless there's a, a whole herd of uh, you know of people kind of which can happen, you know. You see, you see a lot of people together, um, and unfortunately, they are homeless. But they, you know, they do click together and and they stay together. I've seen it working with a few of the charities up in Belfast and stuff. And um, it, it, that's yeah, that's that's another. That's just on another level. Being that, up that there. was that was another massive moment in your career. Yeah, I mean, it, it because was. the social media um side of it um was it just blossomed. Yeah, it, it and, really, and I know you were getting that something that was a bad time of year. We were going through the worldwide pandemic, and it just seemed to be the right time for you to release a song. Yeah, yeah. So <clears throat> it was. I actually started writing "Concrete Christmas" because um, my stepdad's father had passed away the year previous, um, and we were all kind of sitting there, you know, around the table, and I knew that there was one person missing from the table, yeah. you know, and. I knew how that felt. So then something kind of flipped around in my mind 
And I was thinking to myself, well, if that's if that's how it feels for me to have one person missing out of you know six or seven that are still here, how must it feel to be the one person maybe sitting at a table and there's nobody there, no else, you know? Yeah. So that's kind of where that all started from. And then I don't like I don't even know where the lyrics really came from. It just it. But that's just, a, that's a talent you have, yeah. Stephen. And you know you can act. Sometimes you just can't explain things, and things happen. Yeah, you know. Then there was another one in the turn of the year. Did you? Release another one. Yeah, February, February, March time. I can't. I think it was February that I released Storm. Storm. Yeah. Um. It was more focused on the on the um COVID pandemic. Um. And it was it was literally just saying that, you know, no matter what we're going through. But again, it was it was focusing on this always happens. You know, in a worldwide pandemic or a personal pandemic, because we all have there's worldwide things. pandemics if uh, hunger. You yeah. Know? Yeah. But th- there's more. There's more to it though. Like. We all have our individual lives, and there's a pandemic every bloody week. <laughs> Do you know mm-hmm. what I mean? Tell and me about it. Yeah, so like, it's all you know. Storm was kind of focusing on, um, the side of things that we are all in a storm all the time. There's people in storms all the time, and we're all in the same storm. But we're the one of the lines are um, that we're stuck in the in the same storm on our on our own boats. So it's. It's not how, you know, it's, it's about learning to ride the wave rather than, you know, trying to get out of it, you know, quicker. Um, and then one of the lines in the song as well, I had it in my head there, but it's, it's slipped away from me. Um, Should I thought gone? Yeah. But well, you've spoke very well today. Oh, uh, thanks. <laughs> you know, I'm really, really, and I'm not going to put any more pressure on you because I uh, love the insight to your career. I've seen it in the outskirts. I've seen it on social media. I've seen you doing different things throughout your career and uh, you a person you've changed mm. you know and take that as a compliment that um, for the better you're a totally different man that I remember um, knocking about starting out um, you're easy to talk to and what you're doing um, for the mental health side of things through your music uh, I commend you you're absolutely it's, it's fantastic and uh, I just want to wish you all the very best. Thank you very much. And uh, I hope you get that first album out. Um, I'm sure everyone, you know, in the local area and beyond is delighted for you. And just on that, guys, anyone who is interested to find out any more about Stephen's uh, music, it's Stephen Rafferty. And he's on Spotify and he's verified and he's on iTunes and he's on Instagram. He's on everything. <laughs> so, Stephen, um, I'm, I was just... I found that you were the right person to come on for the first episode. Um, obviously, I've been watching you, what you were doing. Things don't go unnoticed when you're in this game. You have to find a person who's going to give a story out there and who's going to be an inspiration to younger people or even anyone now at the minute who is struggling and they have got a talent. It doesn't matter what it is. You know, yours with music. And you are growing uh, on a daily basis. And uh, I just hope... Um, with that drive that I can see in your eyes when we're talking, mm. what you really want, that you get to that next level um, and start a remember me, won't you? Oh, yeah. You remember, won't you? Like, you get that, when you're, when you're playing in the Odyssey or something, then <laughs> can I do the warm-up for you? Yeah. 100%. <laughs> um, so uh, words of uh, inspiration to anyone out there who is maybe struggling or who is um, looking to start in music. You know, it's never going to be straightforward. Yeah, can you give that wee bit of uh, info that you've experienced? Yeah, well, I mean, in the wee small words. If if you have if you have something, 
in your head that that seems like some sort of a plan um and there's a one percent chance that it'll work out just stick to stick to your guns and stick to what you're doing and be real always always refer back to reality and you know always talk about it you know from from a musician who has had his ups and downs you know in, in many different ways um through music um just referring to reality has always helped me and that you know that's where all this music has come from is just referring to reality being real and talking about the real struggles in general life and in the music industry and if you like i say if there's a one percent chance that your dream will come true just stick to it i'm i think mine's went from one percent to about four percent now so we're, we're on the way up <laughs> well that's it's progress and yep. that's what we're all here for to make progress and try and help Turn things around for yourself, for everyone who's around you, your family, your mum and all that. There. You need them people to be behind you and just just think positive. Keep going and uh, keep following that dream. And uh, it's been a pleasure yes, and I'm too. delighted to have you on. I'll say it again. And uh, we're all ready to rock now with uh, season two. So, ladies and gentlemen, you know how I finish. Thank you. Take care. Stay safe and see you.